0: The last case being argued is Cecil Beijing Science and Technology Company versus Misinex. Mr. Biagi, I see you reserve two minutes for a rebuttal. You begin whenever you're whenever you're ready.
1: Yes. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the Court? My name is Mario Biaggi and I represent Sicil Industries uh, in connection with this proceeding, who, uh, by virtue of a termination of a contract, has sustained substantial financial damages and uh, significant damages to its reputation, not only in the Chinese community in China, but internationally. And we respectfully submit that in that context that Sicil and the law requires some identification as to what the – Basis for that termination was specifically the bribery charges and the affirmative defense of illegality. Uh, to date, uh, we do not have questions as to the nature of the bribe, who committed the bribe, what was it for, how much was it for, when did it happen, and what contract did it procure.
0: But you don't and, you don't need that, right, Mr. If In other words, if someone admitted to them we were bribing, you know, these uh, these entities, they don't have to wait till they have particular instances, right? If there's that's true, but that's there's uncontroverted
1: evidence of bribes. Right? right, but that's not the case in this particular proceeding. There's not there is controversial evidence. And what the court where the court made a mistake was they did not give the as they're supposed to do on a motion for summary judgment, give favorable inferences to the, the plaintiff's evidence. Well some I of the emails
2: did favorable inferences from the from the emails that were uh, produced at some well,
1: I can't discuss all of them, all the emails. Let me right. give you a couple Can of. Can you them.
2: defend each one? I mean, yes. Cecil yeah. is saying that they engage through agents uh, in in um, this kind of kind of bribery. And well, that's they're claiming because they don't do it personally, but they they hire people to do that, or they retain people in some way to do it. So why isn't that enough?
1: My response to that is twofold: One we gave alternate explanations, reasonable alternate explanations in our papers with respect to that. but let me give you an example two examples of the emails why that can 't be a, as a matter of law there 's a battle 's email uh, an employee in April of two thousand and seventeen in which that contention that Cissel was involved in bribery uh, cropped up. Now, what the court didn 't consider and what 's in the evidence is that there's testimony from Mr. Battles in uh, that as of February two thousand and sixteen he did not know of any bribery that CISL committed and and, and he thought that that was difficult, uh, dif- difficult for them in terms of being competitive with all those other uh, sub- subsidiary companies that do engage in the bribery. That's what he said as far as February of 2016 concerned. The email that the court relied on, that was in April of 2016 and only two things happened differently in the interim. One, there, there was testimony uh, that um, he became fearful for his job, okay? He, there was pressure on him, and he became in the virtue of a whistleblower. So that's a question for right, so let, Let's put that one aside, Mr. Biaggi. The
0: one I want you to focus on, as a wrote of the internal investigation, they uncovered a draft email. This is at 529 of the appendix from September 2014, written from sunny to May. And it says APD, one of the subbies, has good experiences on handling business under the table. Sometimes it's very helpful. Sometimes it's very dangerous. Um, and so, for big cities such as Shanghai and Guangzhou, we, we could take, could not take that risk. We would rather be safe. And then th- this is the one I want you to address. But for some small place where under table business is very popular and well accepted, APD may help or maybe maybe we could cooperate with them on some specific project. I mean that what's explain what the how that could uh, be inferred to be anything other than an admission that uh, they're willing to have APD engage in bribes in small cities where they can't get caught.
1: Mr. What, Mr. Dobash, who testified about that, oddly enough, the people that were pushing ADP, and I should be entitled to argue this to a jury, was not Mike. Was not. Sitting. I know that's your. That was the answer of the president of your company to that particular email.
0: Not that th- this is, um, you know, that there's some alternative interpretation. Her answer was they're press- they were pressuring us. We were worried we were going to be terminated. So. But that's not a
1: defense to illegality, right? That we were, we were pressured. Well, the issue is, they were pushing the issue, first of all, and it's Mr. Dobash's testimony. But the ultimate explanation for that is that they did not want to use, they did not want to use, uh, this company, APD, and certainly didn't want to use them in the in large cities, and only would use them in the small cities if they could supervise them, and keep, keep track of that. Now, there's an alternate explanation, and, and actually, there's nothing
0: in there that says that, and that explanation, you're, 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 the president of the company didn't even give that explanation at the deposition. You're, you're making that up. Her, her, she didn't say,
1: we, we were going to supervise them in the small cities. You're, that's your... Uh, that's fair comment on the evidence, in, t- in, in total, of all the evidence that was in this record. If you want to parse one statement, then you have to compare about the, the, the self-reporting letter, for example, that was sent to the Department of Justice. In which there was a massive investigation that was done here, massive, and no one came up with any crime. Why
2: no not want to come up with any crime? Well, we're not talking about crimes, specific crimes. I mean, you keep arguing that uh, that there has to be proof of, of a bribe uh, that would meet the definition under the elements of, of uh, under Title 18. But that's not that's not what this this is all about. This is a defense of illegality going on that. Uh, uh, you know, can be, can be, can be raised, uh, and um, of wrongdoing, and if this isn't evidence, blatant evidence of wrongdoing, it's, it's hard to see any other, any other avenue here.
1: I would respectfully disagree with that, you know, on The wilder case talked about improving an affirmative defense of illegality, right? You have to satisfy the elements of the crime. In, this, in the case of Swigwile, it was bribery.
2: Well, and in, in cases where there is specific evidence, of course, and that's the, that's the proof that's been used to assert the defense, that's a different, that's a different kind of case. But uh, uh, just going on as a business was, was, was usual uh, and uh, that uh, in here, and not being able to assert the defense under these circumstances, it seems, seems really pretty far-fetched to me.
1: But, well, well, this, this, I believe, this is fair comment. In the totality of all the evidence here and all the exoneration of what they did and didn't do, okay, I should be able to present that to a jury and address this one issue. That
2: well, well uh, but, but there's no confusion about the fact that these intermediary distributors were put into the put into the position by your client. Uh, that's not not disputed, I don't
1: think. No, that, that actually is disputed.
2: Oh, you mean you're, they, they just sort of injected themselves into the picture? No, no.
1: What happened is there's an alternate theory here. Of the, first of all, with respect to APD, it was Ms. Masonics who was pushing that issue. That's what the testimony was of Mr. Debash at 2195 of the record. He, they were the ones pushing the issue with APD. They didn't want to use APD. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, so.
2: Well, are you saying that uh, somehow your adversary's client was – responsible to a degree for whatever went on uh,
1: here I, I'm saying what they wanted to do there's a reasonable argument to make on the record that they wanted to utilize those subcontractors that were more inclined, more inclined excuse me to do to engage in the type of convict that they're accusing Sicila they want then there's records in there in fact is that
2: why is that why is that relevant if Sicil if, if was also on board in other words, uh, two wrongdoers, one of whom blows the whistle and the other doesn't. The other is the blowee, if you will.
1: Well, the, the, the problem with that is you are basically affirming a defense, an affirmative defense, without any evidence, any evidence of the actual legality. How could they not? How could they not? In the midst of all of the evidence, much of which is exculpatory, much of which is exculpatory. Take this one isolated email. And say, okay, they're guilty of a crime. What crime? All right. Thank you, Mr. and We'll okay. hear from Mr. Cleary. Okay.
3: Please, the court, Richard Cleary, on behalf of Appelli Masonics, for three reasons, this court should affirm the judgment below. First, Cecil's emails admit to bribery, satisfying the first element of New York's illegality defense. The rest of the record corroborates those admissions. Second, Cecil's admitted illegal conduct was central to or a dominant part of its course of conduct in connection with the contract. Satisfying the second element of New York's illegality defense. And third, with respect to Cecil's defamation claim, Ms. Onyx's statement in the 8K was true and in any event is protected by absolute or at a minimum qualified immunity. With that, I'm happy to take questions from the panel. Well, I think, uh, you know, I picked up the draft
0: email because I think there are portions of those other emails that, you know, it's kind of broken English um, there's certain things in there. One says, you know, we find bribes to be appalling, uh, and I think significantly, um, your CEO, Mr. McManus, in looking at these emails and having received some of these emails, said that he interpreted <clears throat> them the way that Mr. Biaggi is suggesting. That he interpreted these as Cecil trying to <coughs> avoid these types of payments so um, his argument is that at least on those there's a credibility assessment and they have your own CEO to support that there's a plausible reading of these emails um, that would support them what's your response to that
3: um, Your honor two responses so up first um, the emails speak for themselves they were drafted by three different high-ranking Cecil um, officials, including the CEO, there are five emails over the course of three years. They are remarkably consistent in describing the bribery scheme. Um, and second, with but respect you're, to
0: the CEO was, said this. This is his deposition testimony. Your client says that he interpreted the Cecil's emails to Cecil had had to have control of who their sub distributors were because if they didn't pick the sub distributors themselves. They would wind up with sub-distributors that make payments, and they didn't want to deal with those kind of sub-distributors. So this is your client interpreting these emails to mean that they didn't want to deal with those kinds of distributors. So why isn't that, at least on on that, create a jury issue?
3: Your Honor, Mr. McManus's testimony does not create a genuine dispute of material fact for um, four reasons. First, he was not read in on the audit investigation. Um, of um, these issues. Second, he was only on two of the five emails. Third, when confronted with um, the APD email draft that at at CA 529 that Your Honor um, quoted from earlier in this argument, um, he was concerned and said he would follow up. And fourth, um, Mr. McManus was not told about Cecil's 2014 bribery find and, and testified that it would have affected Cecil's relationship with Masonics
2: and you would have us believe or conclude that there simply were no genuine issues of material fact is that right
3: that's correct sir all
2: right in other words you're saying that a jury would be compelled to find for you uh, under the evidence that no, there's no As a matter
3: of law. That's right, Judge Walker. Um, There is no reasonable reading um, of the emails other than as a confession, as multiple confessions over multiple years to illegality on the part of Cecil.
2: But they do have a view of this, right? There is another view. Perhaps we shouldn't give it much weight or credence. But Mr. Biagi and his clients have a very different interpretation of these matters. Is that fair?
3: There is a dispute. The question is whether it is a genuine dispute as to material fact. And
2: And it's not genuine because?
3: Because the emails simply don't describe a scheme to evade bribery. They describe a scheme to facilitate bribery. Bribery is an issue. Cecil does not directly handle these matters. Instead, they enlist sub-distributors to handle these matters to facilitate bribes to the end user to place Masonix's products. That's what the emails say. Unless there were any question, um, there's additional evidence that corroborates the emails in the record. So you're saying
0: when there's an email that says you should believe we would never get ourselves involved in such troubles, you're you're saying the only interpretation is that is that they're going to use the sub distributors to do it, and not themselves. That's not not a statement by them that we don't do this. Period. Is that accurate or not?
3: The the two sentences after that describe um, if I'm recalling the same email um, the use of sub distributors so to on effectuate the,
2: on the, on the same page. Which, which date was that email? You recall.
3: Um, This one is on 520. Yes, 520. That's the August 26, 2013 email, Judge Walker.
2: So that's the one that says, in such cases, we will definitely seek for cooperation with subdealers.
3: Yes, that's right. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. And we we respectfully request that the um, panel affirm. Thank you.
1: Two, quick uh, points, very important, especially since the last two were not, I don't think, clearly covered in in, in, the, in the submission papers. My opening to the jury, they're saying we committed illegality, ladies and members of the jury, five years ago, based on the same evidence. There was no proof, and they said there wasn't anything illegal about what we did. Isn't that a created in fact, in issue of fact? Shouldn't I be allowed to make that argument with all the other arguments before could the jury? Could you,
2: could you lift the microphone so we can hear you? Oh, I'm sorry. This, no, this, it's all right.
1: Yeah, I think I should. Now, it's very important here, if I could just focus you, is on the absolute and qualified immunity. There is no absolute immunity here on the state case. There is no absolute immunity because it's, it's restricted. And in a quasi-judicial proceeding with respect to the defamation claim, you can't, you can't have absolute immunity if there's no procedural safeguards that CISL was entitled to, like a hearing. There was no hearing before the, Social, the Securities and Exchange Commission. And because of that, there is no claim for absolute immunity. In fact, a Masonic said they didn't have jurisdiction over Sissel. They used that, a, that argument in a different format uh, when they were trying to say, we were trying to say, let's get the benefit of their findings. So there is no absolute immunity. There is no qualified immunity because there's an issue of fact as to whether or not the termination of Sissel was malicious and reckless disregard for the truth. If it was, it's an issue of fact. This court can't determine as a matter of law that there is no qualified immunity. And I say that's important because, quite frankly, upon review of the papers, it might have got lost
2: a little bit in the interpretation. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you to thank both you. of you. We'll reserve the decision. Have a good day.